Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favour to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome to the afternoon of Osbiz. We kick off every afternoon with the call 10 stocks uh, that you suggest we put to our two expert panelists and they give us their view on whether you should buy, hold or sell today. We have Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial with us. Michael, good to see you. It's Welcome good to be here Frank. again. How, how are you seeing the markets at the moment? All over the place. We've had a bit of a, a tough sort of month or two. Earnings season for our companies was good in terms of the headline numbers and the results provided by the companies and management. But in terms of performance, um, it's been a bit sort of wishy-washy. So yeah. fingers crossed uh, we can get this little negativity out of the markets and things can take shape. But you've got to be careful of things like rising bond yields. A lot of the positivity was maybe embedded in markets leading into the new year. Um, but we're optimistic still for the right. remainder of the, the 2021. But it, things can change pretty quickly. Yeah. Andrew? Andrew Page from Strawman. Sorry, the official introduction. <laughs> there you go. Uh, how are you seeing markets at the market? Yeah, I'm going to echo all of those comments. It's. I feel like it's been this way for a while now. It's just difficult, I would say. There's Of all the companies that you'd like to own or own more of, you've got to pay up for them. Yep. And as Michael said, with rising bond yields and, and with such expectation price, it doesn't take much of a miss to really cause a lot of volatility. So, But I mean, I, I actually look at that as, as opportunity. There's some interesting um, companies out there that I think, as Michael said, mm. the numbers weren't bad, but the market reaction wasn't great. And that's, that's a nice setup, I think, for those that can look a few years out. Right. Okay. Okay. And bond yields, are they, it seems to have quietened down a bit uh, this week. I was interested in the Reserve Bank's comments um, yeah. yesterday, saying they're still sticking to 2024, aren't they? Yeah, well, I mean, if you, look at, if you look at inflation, it's been missing now for a very, very long time. And there's been a few of these false dawns over the last five years. I can remember vividly a couple of them, I think 2016, 2018, where it looked like bond yields were going to break through and take off. And and it just never transpired that way. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was a similar false dawn mm. again. Okay. Um, we need to get, I think, the unemployment rate down. We need to get wage growth up somehow before we start to see inflation coming through. So a little bit of a recalibration in bond yields isn't the worst sort of thing, keeps everyone on their toes. Um, but I, I think there's a very good chance that the, 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 the most of the rally that we've seen recently is behind us. Right, yeah, yeah. And Andrew, I was interested in the wording from the Reserve Bank saying, I keep interest rates low, 
but there's great responsibility on the banks for good lending practices. <laughs> yes. So basically they go, we'll keep rates low, but don't you hose people with cash. You behave yourself. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, I'm sure we can trust the banks to do the right thing, can't we? <laughs> exactly. All right, before we get uh, into your 10 stocks, uh, Thought we'd uh, take a look at a stock of the day. Um, small business lender Wiser has increased the value of its warehouse loan facility to $350 million on the back of its growth in new loan originations and revenue in the second quarter of the financial year of uh, 2021. Uh, the company's saying this would improve loan economics and could increase revenue. Share price up over 5% as a result today of uh, getting that funding through. Um, Andrew Page, what do you think of, uh, of Wiser? Yeah, uh, well, look at this, they're in the business of, of lending money, of course. So yep. um, the fact that they need more money to lend out is, is definitely a good sign. Um, I haven't looked at it closely, just the announcement this morning, but I assume they say with increased economics, they're getting better yeah. rates on, on that. Um, I mean, revenue was up 350% in the second quarter from, from a year ago. Yeah. And just from the first to the second, it was up 43%. So they, they've got a lot of market share to grab um, and they seem to be executing really well so yep. far. So this is, this is definitely good news. Um, the, the tricky thing, as we were, we were touching on before, is, is the valuation uh, with, with a lot of these things. Lending is a cyclical kind of sector uh, and an industry. And so it's not always smooth sailing. So it's just, I think that's the, the part to get your head around. And I just haven't done the work to have any great informed opinion on, on that side of things. Yeah. Okay. And it's one of those um, fintechs, there are a few doing pretty well in that small business space now. Yeah, um, look, it's a pretty simple old fashioned business model in many ways. Uh, they get these loan agreements in place, they borrow the money at 5%, then they lend the money on say seven, 8%, that's arbitrary numbers, but that's essentially what they do and they pocket the difference. Um, but whether it's Afterpay or, or whether it's Wiser, they need to access more and more credit uh, as they grow to lend out more and more money. So it's a good sign that they're able to access the funds through the market. Um, their default rates or their arrears rates is very, very low, less yeah. than 1%, which is impressive. So they've obviously got fairly good back-end systems and fairly good technology being able to weed out those customers that are credit worthy and able to repay the money. So it seems like quite a, an interesting proposition. Um, they say that they're more ethical in terms of the way that they lend and the way that mm. they chase up money. Um, and early signs and early indications are that they are slightly different from some of the payday lenders that we've seen out there in the past. Yeah. Um, but for mine, it's a pretty cyclical business. Um, and I, for that reason, I would just prefer to, to look at other things and more established names. But it's definitely one, I think, to keep an eye on. Okay. So keep a watch on it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get into the 10 stocks uh, that you want the guys to have a look at today. Um, um, Michael Clare wants a view on Spark Infrastructure. Um, basically, they own poles and wires and things That's like that. That's right. Don't they? Um, primarily aligned to like the electricity uh, yep. market, mainly in, in Victoria and South Australia, where they have, I think, 49% of the infrastructure over there. Uh, recently, they've had to cut their dividends because yep. what's been happening is it's a very regulated space. And this is, I think, the problem with this company and this area overall is that the government effectively um, caps your revenue, um, but you're left with the same fixed costs and the same. Uh, maintenance costs and all those sorts of things. So they've had to par back their dividend, which is still very attractive relative to the 10-year bond rate or relative to interest rates or term deposit rates at the moment. But it's a it's limited growth profile, I think, going forward. It's very much an income stock. Um, it's paid a fairly stable dividend over the years. 
but I don't think it's going to shoot the lights out. Right. Um, so if you're an investor in a company like this, you have to really understand the reason that you're getting into it, and it would purely be from an income right. standpoint. And, and how do they stack up compared with other yeah. yield stocks? Well, th these this is basically an infrastructure stock. It's not like an AGL where they're actually running the, the businesses per se. Yeah. Um, that's my understanding anyway, at least. They simply own the assets and they'll lease them out to other uh, energy providers to sort of um, to, to generate the, right. the, the, the business. But they yeah. basically are just like a, almost like a real estate investment trust, but for poles and wires, electricity right. assets. Um, so for that reason, I, I just think it's a very regulated industry overall, yeah. um, and for that reason, steer clear. Yep. Okay. Andrew? Yeah, it's, it's not, um, not something I tend to get excited about, but it, it's definitely suitable for, for the right kind of investor, as Michael said, for an income investor. Um, their dividends, uh, I think you're getting a 6.3% yield or something. The, right. the uh, company saying they're pretty much tracking CPI over the next few years. Um, so that's what you're looking at. And I think that's the best as you can expect. So if you're someone who's very income focused, look, it's a very safe company. It's very reliable cash flows. Yeah. It'll be around in the future. So, okay, so this is a, whereas APA is pipes to carry gas. Yeah. This is poles and wires to carry electricity. Yes, yep. And they're doing some solar farm development. They're getting more oh, into the okay. renewable space, as I understand yeah, it, as, right. as well. But, you know, it's it's... it's if you're going to buy this, don't expect afterpay kind of returns, <laughs> no, I guess no, I, I, no, I, I no. would say. But if, if, if you want sort of just income, um, say compare it to APA, would you go this or APA? Well, I think that you've got to look for growth in income. That's the key. Um, you want Because okay. you want your you want your dividend yield, effective dividend yield, to grow over Keep time. Right. Um, and I think with APA, they've done a lot of bolt-on acquisitions and they've been able to grow that income successfully right. by growing their asset base, whereas I think Spark has struggled to right. do that. There is a yield trap that's yeah. a very um, noticeable one. You can look at two companies, one might have a 3% yield, one might have a 7% yield. So 7% yeah. obviously a better income. But I did an analysis a few years ago now, and it's probably outdated, but those companies that are growing their dividends five, six, seven percent per year over a 10 year time frame provide much more income. Yeah. So growth mm, okay. is, you, you just okay. can't separate that. Again, right. it depends. If I was 85 years of age and I had a fairly large base of capital, I'm just worried about putting, yeah. you know, some, paying for some living expenses, it'd be something I'd very yeah. much consider. Okay. Other than that, not I for I think me. the comparison that the people do is like CSL over a 10 year period versus Telstra. Yes. Uh, CSL yes. pays a headline yield of one, one and a half percent at best. The Telstra's always had a headline yield of five, six, seven percent. But over a 10, 20 year time frame, you've ended up actually making just as much dividend income off CSL than you did off Telstra. And that ignores right. the capital gains. That, without taking into account capital gains yeah. because CSL year after year yeah, yeah. is compounded. Yeah. dividend growth. Yeah. No, yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, good discussion, Claire. Uh, appreciate the suggestion. Um, Andrew Julian wants a view on Self Wealth, the online brokerage uh, group. A recent quarterly report, revenue up almost 300%, um, but to four and a half million. So it's off a, yeah. a, lo a yeah. low base. Uh, quarterly trade volume jumped almost 400%. To three hundred and seventy-eight thousand trades, so uh, 
uh, one of these new online trading platforms. And, and a very successful one. It's yep. really popular on Strawman. It's ranked number eighth on the platform. Um, actually added to our index last year at 21 cents. So it's done very well for our members. Well, as, as a stock or a trading platform? As a, as a stock, stock, sorry. Right. Yes, yeah, as yeah. a stock, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, very popular as a trading platform uh, yep. as well, I should say. Um, it's, it's interesting. They've had a good year. They've had, a, they've had look. They've had a phenomenal year. If you look at the growth in their accounts and their assets under management, it's, it's a very, very lovely chart. But there's two really noticeable things uh, in that. The first is with COVID. When COVID hit, there was just a massive spike up in new yeah. accounts and volume. So it was the best thing that ever happened yeah. to them. And then recently we had GameStop and Robinhood and all of that. stuff. And then you see this other massive spike up as well. Um, I think there's a lot of discontent with some of those other platforms. So in terms of um, market share, next to the, the behemoth like Comsec, they're, they're tiny, but that but that market share growth, the new accounts they're signing on is phenomenal. Right. So um, I think it's 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 definitely um, uh, in the price. There's eight times sales or something you're looking at now. They are tipping into into uh, past an inflection point with profitability. So I think it's a, a very very attractive company i think it's probably reasonable value around here for a long-term investor the thing you have to remember here though with self-wealth is again this is going to be really cyclical this is yep. the time frame that we're looking at there has been very favorable for markets yes. and yep. when and when sentiment turns and when prices fall you know a lot of these millennial money a lot of a lot of the retail money will dry up so they'll see less clients less trading volumes less assets under management yep. and that's that's fine you, but i think you need to take that through the cycle look if you're right. looking at something like uh, software. So for me, I'll back our community and say um, it is a it yeah. is a buy at this stage, but okay. but be aware of that potential. Um, uh, Andrew talked about a behemoth like um, like Comsec. To give you an idea, um, Self Wealth has sixty seven thousand traders and had a big increase of seventeen percent in the last quarter. In the last half year, Comsec added almost two hundred and fifty thousand new accounts. Yeah, wow. just uh, uh, massive. They I didn't realise um, Comsec has about 70%, 70 to 75% of that online trading market. Incredible. That's crazy. Massive. Yeah, yeah. And the best asset there, because I was, I was with Comsec when they first started. Right. And it, back in the day, if you remember. And you set it up uh, and a success is yeah. completely <laughs> due to my efforts. Perfect. Completely due to my efforts. But I remember at the time, the MD was basically saying the biggest asset they had was, was the brand of the CBA behind it. Because yeah. you know, trading shares on the internet, back yeah. in the, it was a very crazy thing. So they just gobbled up market share very, very quickly. And they've just held that position ever since. Yeah, incredible. What do you um, think of self-wealth? Yeah, I think self-wealth was setting up 800 accounts or something they said in February, which is still a great number and they're growing very quickly. But yeah, compared to some of the behemoths, it's still pretty small. And it's a simple business model, really, self-wealth as well. They just got a, a trading platform access to Aussie stocks primarily. Um, they're growing the turnover that they're getting now in the US stocks, but still makes up less than sort of 10% of their, their trade volumes. Um, but they just market it well. Uh, they have no glitches. Obviously, their back-end systems can deal mm. with the big increase and uptick in new applications. So they're obviously doing something better than the competitors are to be getting those growth numbers. But I do still question the, the amount of competition that is potentially out there. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's Comsec, there's CMC Markets, IG Markets, all these other different open uh, markets. Nab, Nab Trade, I think, is number Nab two. Trade. Then, then you've got all international ones that could potentially enter this Australian market as well. So, exactly. So the list goes on. So that's why I'm not sure whether the, the competitive advantage that they're enjoying now is sustainable. 
And then obviously the points that Andrew raised about cyclicality, this has been the perfect storm for yeah. uh, these online trading accounts, uh, cash in people's pocket for, for doing nothing, job keeper, yeah. job seeker, uh, markets have been exciting, things like GameStop, it's really going through a, a boom at the moment. And this sometimes ends in tears and it has in the past. So I'll be careful um, in jumping in now after all this good news has been embedded yeah. in the price. Just another quick thing too on, on um, self-worth. The whole industry is trending down in terms of the margins they're making on yeah. brokerage. I mean, back in the day, it was $50 for an online trade. 2% was industry standard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And now what well, these guys are nine ninety. There's $5 yeah, trades yeah. out there. Yeah, for big markets. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So. So it, it, and it's, Robin Hood in America zero is that? Yeah, zero, right? So it's this kind of this Bezos, your margin is my opportunity kind of thing. I mean, Comsec doesn't want to lower its rates too much because it'll it'll really shoot itself in yeah. the foot, even though yeah. it might win more clients. But that dynamic, I think, longer term is definitely something to watch. I did because I could never figure out Robin Hood. You know, how can you do zero? But apparently, they sell your data. Yeah to the big quant funds yeah. and big investment funds who have an idea what you're investing in and then can pick the trends and get on board yeah. early. One of, one of the so they're selling data, your data, um, to front for, run for you. Some, <laughs> there's no such thing for some as, barbarian at the gate. There's no such thing as a free lunch and there's a great saying for these kinds of companies, uh, which is that if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Right. Right. So that's that's yeah. Facebook in a nutshell. It's, uh, it's, it's Google. It's starting uh, to happen in Australia as well, where there's the free international trades. But what they don't tell you is they're stinging you two, three percent for currency conversion every time you because yes. you ah. only have your Australian dollar account. Right. And then you obviously got to buy your Googles, your Apples, your Amazons, right. whatever it is. But every time you do that, you're incurring these like you're exchange enormous rate. exchange rate right. fees. Yeah. They're not a charity. Yeah. No. no. All right. Um, uh, uh, a real hiccup for for small players. Um, so watch out for that. Julian, thank you. Sebastian, um, Andrew wants a view on Open Learning, the big online education group. They say they've got 2.7 million students, uh, 167 educational institutions on their books. Yeah. Um, really interesting business. This one. Interesting business, interesting space. Um, they're only $26 million market cap, so, so they're, right. not, they're not massive, but um, there's definitely a strong tailwind in that sector. Revenue has been growing really well. Uh, they report on a calendar year basis and revenue was up 18% in, the, in FY20. 57% lift, uh, lift in registered users and the annual recurring revenue. That's a model they switched to only about yeah. a year ago. Up strongly as well. So well, that share price doesn't reflect that though, does it? Yeah, that I, chart. I, I think that that is, is what Michael was referring to before with a lot of these sort of um, price for perfection kind of stuff out there. Even despite that pullback, it's still trading on about 13 times sales. Wow. So 13 times sales. Sales, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, they, on an annual basis, they're still bleeding cash, although I believe the last couple of quarters, uh, actually, sorry, no, the last quarter, they were just below break even on an operating cash flow basis. So again, the, the idea here is that you, you, you have a very scalable business, you, you have a, a fixed cost base that can sustain a much larger number of customers. As you onboard more and more and more people, that, that net margin just grows. And that's, right. that's what uh, investors are hoping for here. They look like they've got good traction, they've got some good partnerships at UNSW, University of Queensland, as you said, 100 yep. and something different things. The, the thing that um, I would need to look at closer before taking a position myself is, is that although it is a very exciting space and although there's good traction, I do wonder um, what the kind competitive dynamics are like. It seems as though there's a lot of players mm. in this space and um, 
yeah, are these going to be the... And even the universities themselves are getting into this space. Th they are too. And maybe they yeah. get through, get into it through a partner like Open Learning yeah. and, and using their software. But it, it's just one of those things that it's, it's... I put it in the category of, you know when you look into your crystal ball five, ten years out, e-learning is massive. Like as an industry, it is phenomenally big, very exciting. But of all the players that exist today, probably only 15, 10% will survive right. with, with some really, really standouts in there. Maybe it's, it's, it's more parochial than that. Maybe there are more home, home field advantages. Um, but that's the thing I'd kind of look, look into. So at this stage, it's, it's, it's a pass for me only on the basis that it, there's a lot of due diligence that's needed right. here. Yeah, um, I've never heard of this company, but I was looking into it and it seems to be quite interesting. So it's in a space that, that we like. Um, the numbers look quite good. Um, they've been signing up a lot of contracts, some of the ones that Andrew mentioned, even sort of AliCloud, which gave them access to the Chinese market to distribute some of their courses through that market. And I was just sort of looking into it. And basically, October, November, they, they did a quite a big capital raising. Um, and for whatever reason, that sucked the life out of the share price ever since. At mm. the time, it was flying high around 40 cents a share. The right. capital raising was under the big discount, 28 cents a share or something along those lines. Yeah. And then it's never sort of got the momentum back ever since. So I'm not sure if that just frustrated existing shareholders or diluted people too much because the market cap's not huge. So even a five, six million dollar raising, although it sounds fairly small, is actually quite big for a company like this. But it's probably worth doing some further investigation as to why the share prices continue to fall away. But it could just simply be a lack of, of news flow or a lack of interest from from the market for what is a smaller cap company. Do investors get pretty bruised? when a company does that for example the share price is at 40 yeah. cents so you raise money um to sort of people you know yeah. and stuff like that at a massive discount do the rest of the shareholders go well if you're gonna i would have taken more shares at a big well, discount exactly right and i think this one they might have even gone and done it just to funds directly without actually approaching their existing shareholders right i might stand corrected on that but that's i think what i understood from my preliminary readings. But it is something that does irritate, I think, shareholders. It's finally sort of managed to break out, take a leg up to its all-time highs. Then opportunistically, the, the management team say, look, we can actually which is raise fair enough, money cheaper, which, which is, is also fair enough. But the, the, the good dynamic time. of the market. I don't begrudge that. I understand that's going to happen. Good to You always try raise money to do at the that top rather than the than, That's right. I'll but prefer. you want it to be fair to shareholders that's that are right. back to you. The compromise okay. is that we do it with, with shareholders, there's a lot more expense and it takes a lot longer. So yeah. the argument is always that we go to the institutes, we get it done super quick, super cheap, right. take advantage of the high okay. price. Oh, right. that, that being said, I, I don't want to excuse it at all. It really irks me as a shareholder, particularly if it's, if it's quite dilutive. It, it, yeah. it, definitely, it definitely sucks. I know it costs more, but I'm an owner of the business and I want to, I want to participate, Access, yeah. or at least have the, the choice to participate. I think the renounceable rights are the best way to do it, because right. then I can say, I, yes, I participate, or if not, I can sell my rights to someone else. I right. still get a benefit. Yeah. Few companies do it that way. Right, okay. Unfortunately. So you'll put it on your watch list? I'll put it on the watch list. It's pretty right. small at the moment, but it's an interesting company in an interesting space. But our pick's probably IDP Education, because they're basically right. a quasi-monopoly, if not full right. unregulated monopoly about with their English language <laughs> testing systems. Whereas a company like this, as Andrew touched upon, has got, it feels like there's a lot of companies out there doing similar yeah. things. IDP Education, if you haven't heard of it, they do English language tests to get into universities yeah. and you've got to pass it and you're paid to do those tests, but all the universities own IDP Education yeah, right. and go, well, to get in the uni, you've got to do the test through them. So, <laughs> so 
Wish yeah. I could run a business it's not like bad, that. Isn't it? Not bad. <laughs> it's pretty good going. Mm. All right, uh, let's go something a bit more traditional. Um, Andrew Joshua's a view on EML payments, the uh, the payment system which is in gift cards, reward cards, supplier payments, uh, also physical cards. They're in twenty six countries around the world. Thirty five hundred programs. Yeah, EML. Um, this was definitely a hot stock there for yeah, like only two six, weeks ago, three weeks. Well, it's ago, made a so. bit of a comeback. Like this was yeah. roaring away in sort of 2019. I think this was everyone's favourite stock. Fell off its perch yeah. a little bit, and has since come roaring back with some very good numbers. Um, essentially, there's three aspects to this company. There's the reloadable um, charge cards, which are used by many of the, the gambling agencies. Then there's just your old traditional gift cards, although they are yep. moving from the physical gift cards more to the digital gift card space. Then they also can facilitate very um, safe and secure transactions between businesses. So in a cashless society, this is a company that you think would do quite well. And the most recent results show that they've benefited from COVID, that shift away from the cashless society or shift towards a cashless society quicker than was already unfolding. Um, Again, I missed it getting in. Um, it seems like a, <laughs> it's an interesting company, but I've never quite brought myself to, to put clients into this. Um, and I was just a little bit concerned with that traditional gift card space and what would happen right. with the lockdowns and shopping centres. But as it turned out, those fears were probably overstated, not just by me, but by the, the market as well. Um, but it's definitely an interesting proposition. They've managed to acquire a lot of businesses, bolt on those acquisitions quite nicely. Uh, but despite that, they've still been able to grow organically. I think sort of 70, 80% of their growth mm. is still coming from their existing businesses rather than just bolting on new companies. So there's a lot to like about this company. Um, getting back towards these all-time highs gets me a little bit nervous. Um, mm -hmm. So that's why I haven't got a buy on it. But if I held it, I would certainly go along for the ride because the chances are you've done quite well out of it. Yep. Andrew? Yeah, it's another popular one on Strongman. It's yeah. number three, in oh, fact. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a business that um, that it's tripled its revenues in the last uh, few years. EBITDA is up about fivefold or so. It's just growing really, really well. Um, the company years ago made a huge investment into their uh, systems, which are really strong, really scalable. And the company's just executing really well uh, at, at, this, at this point in time. So. Uh, according to the consensus guidance, just having a quick look on Comsec, you know, we, you're expecting um, EPS to, to double, per share earnings that is to double between FY21 and, and 23. Mm. So it's on a PE of 60, um, which is, well, I was going to say it was up there, but then again, this is, this is the current market <laughs> we're in. But at the same time, I mean, that is, that is phenomenal growth. That, that chart that you see there is all about the market, rightly being very concerned about the shutdown of all the malls and what that was going to do yeah. to the business, et cetera. But, but that, as we have seen, has proven not to be as, as big an impact in the markets, again, focused on the future. So yes, uh, the valuation is up there to be a hold for me. I don't yeah. hold it personally. I'm just kicking myself like Michael for not taking advantage <laughs> of so many things during the COVID yeah. crash, but yeah, that was yeah, a good I know. example. I know. All right. Did you, um, uh, Benjamin wants to know, did you get into Hubify? I, um, I didn't, no. <laughs> no, it's a, um, one of these enterprise solutions, um, platforms basically in the insurance and travel industry. It provides um, platforms that companies can connect with their customers and do the admin and things like that. Yeah, it? see that's what, I, that's, that's what I was gonna say, but where I struggle is going a layer below that. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like when you're talking about enterprise technology solutions, they, they can often be very 
uh, bespoke, very industry specific. Um, it's hard as a as a consumer to get much firsthand experience on that because right. you're not you're not a client, will never be a sort of client. Um, it is a very competitive space. You know, this is this is a business that will rightly tout you know the incredible tailwinds here as businesses transform and need to upgrade yeah. systems, etc., 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 which is absolutely true. But it's hard to sort of for me to pinpoint um, areas of competitive advantage or a moat, if if you will. Now, look, that all being said, the, the company's been growing really well, 23% growth uh, in, in the recent half. Um, it's only on two and a half times sales, or a PE of 20 for a business that's going really, really strongly. Um, it looks pretty illiquid. It does look really illiquid yeah. there. I'm not sure if something's going on with that, but yeah, it's, 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 the other thing too is, is it's, it's uh, very much predicated on acquisitions. Right. It's acquisition. It's a roll up type thing. It seems that way, right. yeah. Okay. And they've, okay. they've talked about, they've got a bit of cash there that they're looking to, to, to acquire mm. some more businesses, which is, which is fine, but we just know that those roll up models do have challenges. One, in terms mm. of the integrations, they're not always successful. Yeah. Um, and, and two, you know, you have to pay for all these acquisitions, which is either sort of mining shareholder pockets for more cash or more commonly issuing more and more shares. So you need, yeah. to, you need to see, yes, you'll get growth in terms of statutory profit and revenue. Of course you will. There's more companies in, under the umbrella. But you need to see that translated into a decent per share growth. Yeah for the share price to eventually yeah. do well. So a lot of moving parts of this business. And, and again, I'm sorry to do it, but I just, I can't form a high conviction. So it's just a watch for me. Yep. Um, having never heard of this company, I went away and did some research as you do. And, and I just found it to be all pretty vague um, in trying to get an understanding of exactly what it is they do, aside from obviously the buzzwords, VoIP, um, data services, mob mobility of technology. And I'm sure they provide a, a very good service, but I can't quite discern from you know, half an hour's research exactly what it is that they offer cl clients and what their advantage is over their competitors. But they seem to be on the acquisition path. There was a, a big sort of rally call of all the different acquisitions that they've done. And some of them seem to be on very attractive multiples. I mean, paying 800K for something that's going to be EBITDA accretive of 400K in the first year and adding a million dollars mm -hmm. in revenue. I would like to buy some wow. of these businesses and bolt on companies oh, like that good. if I could get those sorts of metrics but that's often what happens because these are pretty small companies that they're acquiring 800k yeah. for an entire business yeah. mustn't be a very huge business no. by any means but you can extract often these efficiencies and you buy something on one or two times multiple and you embed it into your listed company yeah. valuation you're getting reflected at 20 or 10 times so that okay. number so yeah they can definitely grow through that roll-up approach uh, but they'll have to make sure that they bed down those acquisitions integrate those companies well in order to succeed. But I right. think this is some way off being a buy for me and, and the company right. needs to mature a bit and I need to understand it better before giving it that go ahead. Okay, all right, let's just recap the first five stocks and uh, our stock of the day, Wiser, was uh, a watch from both of uh, both Michael and Andrew. A no for Spark, um, Self Wealth, a yes from Andrew, a no from Michael, uh, Open Learning, um, um, Andrew's going to do a bit more work on it, but yeah. going to watch it, um, as is um, uh, Michael, uh, although Michael in this space would prefer IDP education. EML payments are hold from both of them. Good company, done well, but gee, it looks fully priced at the moment. So if you've, if you've been following it up and you're an existing investor, hold on there. It's been a good ride and Hubify a no from Michael and a watch from Andrew. 
Here on the call, uh, we have our own fantasy portfolio that we've been tracking since the 1st of July, thanks to our partner NabTrade. Um, all of the stocks that get two thumbs up um, from the call's uh, expert panel goes into the portfolio. If that stock comes up again, even in front of a different panel and doesn't get the two thumbs up, it goes out. So let's see how it's been going. Uh, weekly uh, return down 2.3%, down one and a half for the month, up 22 and a quarter percent since the 1st of July. Some of the uh, stocks that have been recently added. Uh, Vista Group, IDP Education, uh, Integral Diagnostics, Qantas United Malt, some of the ones removed, A2 Milk, although A2 Milk had a uh, cracking day yesterday and I noticed um, uh, milk at the milk auction uh, auctions overnight uh, prices up 15 to 20 percent for milk and frothy um, market David. yeah yeah oh, boom boom <laughs> there you go uh, 40 technologies out as well if you want to take a look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio um, quick programming note Johnny us later the chairperson of is life science Philippa Lewis the company listed on the ASX earlier today following a $6 million IPO. Philippa joins us to take us through the first day's trade, explain the business model of um, E-double-Z-E's life science, I suppose you pronounce it. Uh, that's right after Ausbiz, uh, after uh, the call here coming up this afternoon. All right, um, let's get on to our next stock. And Rob Andrew wants a view on 40S Memory. Now this mm. is um, a company that's trying to uh, replace RAM technology, isn't it, with their own sort of chip um, for 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 bigger for bigger memories. They're still testing it, aren't they, and going through all the trials. Good results. Yeah, um, lots of patents. I, I started going down the rabbit hole on this one. I got I got way out of my depth very very right. quickly. Yeah. I mean, I can understand the big picture. When I started talking about wafer devices, <laughs> oh. Okay, a wafer device. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's all hyper hyper technical stuff. Yes. You know, and and look at, at a big picture level, it's it's very attractive. It's a better form of of memory technology. It's got a lot of applications yeah. and some of the new technologies that are coming out. Um, if has offices in Silicon Valley. In Silicon well. Valley, always helps yeah. as well. Good yeah, yeah. good place to yeah. be located. Um, they've got some good partners. This is this is a real binary stock. So let's assume that the the technology. Uh, gets validated yep. um, and effectively commercialized. And let's all assume this happens in a reasonable time frame. There's a lot of ifs in that. This thing's worth many, 10x, 20x. It's, yep. it's insane. You're going to do insanely well. But before you, you rush out and, and open up the Robin Hood trading app, um, remember <laughs> that, that, that the other, the other, the <coughs> other uh, potential future is that it, it never gets validated or not to the standard mm. that they hope. Or even if it does, that it takes a long time to commercialize it. Yep. Or even during that period, another company comes up with a better technology. So there's a lot of a lot of ifs. So it's a real it's a real lottery ticket. How do you play that? Well, you, you can either be a, a, a trader, and that's not my bag, and maybe just pick the ins and outs of, of day to day. Good luck to you if you can do that. Yep. Um, but if you're an investor, I, I would sort of say a, a moderate amount and just be prepared to, you, you can't, so often people will, will, will say, this is the reason why you buy a stock like this and outline some of the reasons that I just gave. 
but then freak out as soon as shares drop 10%, mm. which yeah. they, they're almost guaranteed. To, you look at the next yeah. month, I guarantee you there's a 10% drop in this stock price. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's probably another 10% rise in there as well. It's just hyper volatile. So if you are going to be a believer in this and you've got some grasp on the, mm. the, the, the validity of the technology, I think you need to sort of, sort of buy and forget because if the gains come, they, they will be still a few years and away. And keep it in pro. For example, in my little superannuation fund, I have 5% that I put into startups. Yeah. High risk. Yeah. I love the startup area. I yep. take an interest in it. Yep. But you just got to keep it in proportion. And you take a basket approach. You, yeah, you, know, right. you know that for every 10 startups you buy, yeah. nine of them are going to go nowhere. Yeah. But it's yeah. that one that hits that kind of compensates yeah, yeah. for all of that. Exactly right. Um, so you're saying? Oh, I'm a, saying no. A spec buy? No, a, a no. Highly speculative buy, but I, for the for the purposes of the calls portfolio, no. Okay. Um, the way I liken this business is the same as you would say a plot of land out in the Pilbara for a, a very exploratory mining company, yeah. or a or a biotech yeah. with some yeah. promising early sort of. Um, clinical trial results, uh, but it's basically one of those companies in the, the tech space. Um, the technology that they are working on makes a lot of sense. Um, it's better than, well, it's meant to be, they're hoping that it's better than the existing technology at higher yeah. speeds. You can get better memory use on, on things like mobile phones. Um, data centers are meant to have some application for them as well. So it's a very exciting proposition, but there's a long, long way to go until this company is making money, generating revenue, hasn't even got any customers at the moment. That's how yeah. early stage it is. So this is definitely bottom drawer sort of stuff, um, putting money into a business that has a promising product, um, but has a long, long way to go to realize the gains from that. So for mine, I have to give it a miss just because it is highly speculative, right. but it's definitely an interesting business to, to keep an eye on. Mm. Um, because if their technology does turn out to be usable by all these different data centers and, and in mobile phones globally, then the sky's the limit really. Yep. So yep. it's pie in the sky sort of stuff now, but they're chipping away at, at getting to some resolution. I, I forgot to mention before, we're talking of capital raisings before, these guys burning through about 3 million a year yeah. in cash, right. they've got about 6 million in cash. Right. So very likely that they're gonna pass the hat around at right. some stage in the next year or two, I'd say. Okay, all right, Rob, thank you for that. And um, 40 years memory is in the calls portfolio. And it comes out now. The uh, I thought it wasn't just I'm, all of me. No, no, I'm, it's, uh, I'm it's, it's exciting. Go, company, I'm going, going wow. through my notes on who we had on who said both said they love that end of the market and just put a little bit in. So it's probably uh, going to double from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that we've well, no, it out. The calls portfolio has run it up a bit because it was the end of last year, I think. Okay, um, yeah, really. So it's okay. Um, all right, uh, Michael, uh, we're still down at the lower end of the market. Yep. Um, Lynn wants a view on Dragon Tail Systems. Now, basically, they're, they're another tech business. They have what they call a quick service restaurant uh, platform, um, which is an AI camera system is involved in it to uh, improve food service in, in restaurants and the, the hospitality area. So uh, yep. they've got a pipeline of stores apparently, um, going to use this of just over over 9,000. Yeah, I think um, Domino's is the main client of theirs. And basically it's all about uh, order, workflow optimization and, and order management. If you've got a yep. driver who's 15 minutes away, you delay yeah. starting the, the pizza until he's closer to the shop. That so they do the, 
They do the, yeah. the, the Domino's tech. And also the camera that takes the photo of your pizza. It must have been like indulged over, right. over the Christmas break and you get a, a photo sent of your pizza, what it looks like. And the whole purpose is it's meant to use artificial intelligence to sort of quickly scan your pizza and make sure there's enough bits of pepperoni on there that the crust is is wide enough so that's this business and um, that primarily does oh. that and they've got hopes of setting up the drone technology which can ensure quicker delivery and setting up drone pods where the drone will drop the pizzas closer to where the drivers are that way the drivers can then go oh. to the drone extract it and then go deliver so that that's in the pipeline that's not yet contributing see much. The, do the domino's technology platforms yeah are incredibly impressive, aren't they? Yeah. They're, they're amazing. And, and they're very efficient. I think a lot of the stuff behind the scenes that you don't see as a customer in terms of making sure that everything is run optimised, yeah. uh, optimised and run to the, the nth degree. Um, they can see that if there's been two orders from a, the same suburb with a close proximity, they'll delay mm -hmm. one order in the queue slight, just slightly so that it sort of coincides with the other order coming through. And then they'll make wow. sure the drivers arrive okay. at the right time. and. It, it's it's quite interesting stuff and look it's i think they've got two key customers domino's is one they've got something else i think in the us so the early stages is set in place and the foundations are in place for this company so i think it's a, a speculative buy um, just because i think they've got some very good mm. technology and some good customers who have proven the technology to work which will make it a lot easier now for the next people to jump on board isn't it interesting when you yeah. get you're impressed by the photo of your pizza. <laughs> Maybe it's the old cynical journey on gate. That's not really my pizza. That's a, that's a, that's a stock photo of yeah. that particular pizza that they're just sending through me through. Well, once the bike rider drives and flops it around in the back, it might not arrive like that. Andrew, fascinating I, I, business. You know, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, so uh, I, I'm, I'm a shareholder. I bought some shares at the start of the year. Very small holding. Um, uh, actually, the developer at Strawman put me onto it. And I hated it. Everything about it just seems really dodgy. It's Israeli-based. It's all about AI, you know, and you just kind of think, come on, it's not profitable yet. But the closer I looked, the more I thought, it's actually a genuine technology and genuine AI mm. here. And this is the optimization that they do is actually really impressive. So one of, the, one of their boasts is that they've never, ever lost a client. So the retention is 100%. I got two. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> they've got dominoes and one other. No, 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 no they've got, oh, they've got they're, they're, things they've got the some, some, some big ones recently. Sweet Green, Papa John's is one oh, sort of unnamed oh, one okay. as well. Yeah. But they've got this, the, the implementations got really took a knock during, during COVID. So they've got 9,000 right. odd contracted stores to do, but they've only implemented, I think, two and a half, three thousand of those. So right. just bring, they can't charge for it until it's implemented, obviously. Yeah. So just bringing that on, I think you're going to see a very big uptick in, in um, uh, cash flows. They actually managed to really bring back their cost recently over COVID. They dropped that by about 26% or yeah. so. Um, look, very early stage, definitely very risky. I haven't got a lot of money in it at all. And I think the price has is, is come up about 50% since I got it. So it's a different proposition now. But I think that this is, I think it's a really interesting business as they um, break through, uh, break even, and they, they seem to, as though they've got enough cash to be able to do that. Um, all this drone stuff is sort of nice down the track, maybe yeah, kind of stuff. It's all marketing. Yeah. And, the, and, and, and the camera stuff is cool, but the core of it is this workflow management stuff. Right. And it is, it is 
it is, it, when you can say to your, your customer, we're going to give you very meaningful, tangible benefits out of this, and you've got some very big reference customers, growth here can be quite hyperbolic in the future. Whether it is or not, we're yet to see, but yeah, that's, right. that's the kind of thing to look for. And I, I would be very happy to average up on this if that thematic played out. If it doesn't, it's a very quick cut and run. So it's a, I'm going to put say buy for the purposes okay. of the show. Interesting. Because uh, Gaurav Sodhi from uh, uh, Intelligent Investor on Monday. Oh, he's, he's smart. What does he say? Uh, well, we're talking about Domino's and he has it a long term bite, loves Domino's okay. for its technology and all that sort of stuff, and said, have a look at Dragon Duck because. Oh, really? um, I was nervous there for a, a second, question. As, as a spec yeah. buy. So yeah. it was on our list. Um, uh, uh, got him. Uh, we should get the BMD of Dragon Tail on Ozbiz and talk to him about the business. Actually, I was hoping forward. shares would fall a little bit. So can I change it to a sell? Let's not talk it up too much. At a Mason and Gora, because they get this, uh, they get a bit distracted and throw in other stocks on a regular basis. Apart from. Um, they're like two grumpy old men when I bring up all the stocks that have been added to the calls portfolio or taken out. They go, oh, that's a stupid decision. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's a stupid decision. Um, the other one was Globe that they were really interested in as well. Oh, I the, um, it's the a skate, shoe, yes, yeah. uh, oh, skateware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so skateboard, surfwear. Extra skateboard shoes. I remember them yeah, yeah. from my childhood in the 90s to making a comeback. Your childhood in the 90s. It's great. That, that, that's a slap down for me, let me tell you. I remember my childhood in the 60s. All right. Uh, let's, um, that was a really good discussion. Uh, Lynn, so there you go. Uh, Dragon Tail goes into the calls portfolio, as speculated by as a 40s which went in as a speculative buy comes out um, now philippe andrew wants a uh, view on resimac uh, Re resimac right they're they're the big uh, mortgage lenders that basically package the loans up for brokers to sell don't they yes a mortgage lender neo bank kind yes. of thing um yep. so it's it's generally an area i i don't like um again something that's that's going to be hyper cyclical bizarrely enough, despite what's happened in the world, you know, we know what's happening of house prices, loan originations yeah. are going really strongly. So, you know, that, that is a, a, a very nice um, thematic for them. Um, uh, again, there's the execution side of that kind of stuff. They, they look as though they're growing really well in the last half. Net profit was mm -hmm. up 86% or so. They said that net profit should double again this year. Uh, uh, dividends have doubled in the last year. So the business is executing. There's no denying that. What's really interesting is that it's on a PE of nine and, and mm -hmm. something doesn't square there. Like that is, even if you weren't super enthusiastic about it, given the growth they're posting, that is a very, very low number. I'm yes. sure there is some nuance and context there, but uh, that How I'm not that aware of. How does to other financial groups? Oh, I look at anything that's um, half decent in size. It's got to be like up, upper teens or yeah, something yeah. like that. The uh, banks would be 15 or something. Okay. Right. So this is trailing up. It's well, really, it, yeah. So I don't know what's, I mean, one looking a little bit um, below the surface, 33% of their loans are interest only. About 60% of their loans are for investment properties. And you might sort of say that's more a concerning area of the market. Um, yeah, although no one's borrowing for investment. 
at the moment, according to Matt Coleman from ComBank. Yeah, I, it's pulled back. Quite yeah, yeah, I talked to him just the other day here on Osby's saying, you're scared of the property boom. And he goes, no, because no one is borrowing for investment. Yeah, that, uh, that's it's interesting. All uh, owner occupiers and first home buyers. So and I wonder with this, this quite particular good. company, maybe they're getting a lot of refinancing from other banks. Or maybe. Who knows? No, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, as the rates fall, point. people can. Yeah. yeah. I, do, I do think for this business, you just have to have a view on, on the property market. Yeah. And, and my, my view on that has been so thoroughly discredited that it's not worth even mentioning. <laughs> yeah. but, but if you do have any concerns uh, on that, I think that that's, it's, it's probably, maybe it's why the, the multiple is so low. Right. Okay. I don't know. So it's passed for me. Pass. Don't like. Okay. Um, uh, the core logic figures that have got all of the headlines this week: property boom, biggest for 17 years. Da da da. Talked to Tim Lawless from Core Logic. He said, "Yes, we're going through a boom, but it will slow down the second half." So, okay. yeah, because you can, I think, be misled by some of the headlines, thinking, "Right, we're off and racing for a long time here." Even Core Logic said, "Nah." It can't be sustained. The media love it, don't they? The oh. property market, you know, it's down twenty percent was all the forecasts and they were feeding yeah, yeah. that out to the, the you know, to the readers and all of a sudden now it's whipping up a frenzy about how yeah. you better jump in now. You're and the reserve out. bank likes it too, because yeah. if if we're feeling rich that's through our right. home value going out, we're going to spend. Yeah. <laughs> the economy that's you're right. back. But it's been incredible. I've got a couple of mortgage broker friends who've been having the best time of their lives. Yeah. It was only, you know, 24 months ago where they always had their career pulled from under their feet, but now with the Royal Commission, but now they're, they're all killing it, writing huge loans, yep. the, the never ending cycle of mortgage refinancing because rates go lower and lower and lower. I think you can get like four year fixed rates now for like 1.8, 1. 1.9%. So there's this never ending wealth, it, it feels like, where people can just keep going refinancing, keep refinancing. and. And this is a company that I think has benefited from those similar sort of thematics, interest rates being so low, the housing market recovering, um, default and deferral rates coming down significantly after the, the initial COVID shock. Um, but it's hard to sort of buy into something that's run up so hard and when the cycle looks like it's reaching its optimum. Right. Um, if the housing market continues to go unchecked like this, I don't know if that's an ideal outcome for anyone. And I think you'll start to get the RBA maybe jawboning, maybe Aperol pull on the strings to, to pull things back yep. a bit. But um, it, it's, it could keep going unvetted though. That's the other thing. Mm. So for mine, it, it's not a buy um, just because of where we are in the cycle. Ideally, you want to be buying it when it's dropped off the cliff like it had last year. But as it turned out, I didn't do that either. <laughs> uh, but that's ideally where you want to be buying these things. But the thing with this recent cycle is just how quick it all unfolded. Yeah. Normally, it's sort of a, a multi-year transition. But this time around, it's it was a, a V-shape literally looking at that chart. So yeah. interesting one to keep an eye on, uh, but I just prefer to play the banks in this <coughs> environment. We bought banks for the first time really ever at the end of last year. Um, that's probably our preferred right. way. Australian Finance Group's another one you can look at. They're a mortgage broker aggregator uh, in a similar sort of space and, and benefit from the same things, hasn't run nearly as hard. Okay, all right, there you go, Philippe. Um, Ryan wants a view, Michael, on SIMS, the big uh, uh, global metals and electronics recycling company, um, not only here in Australia, but North America um, and also Europe as well, uh, big footprint. Um, they've just bought more of a company in, in the United States as well. Yeah, so look at the interesting business. Basically, they go around, they purchase scrap metal, 
uh, melt it down and, and it's used in producing steel. Um, and the steel market has been going pretty well. Um, steel prices have been pretty high. It's the same thing for, but the problem, the problem for Sims is that they're running below capacity at the moment. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of competition out there for scrap metals, um, but long-term you would think that potentially there is gonna be a move more towards the use of scrap uh, as we become more environmentally conscious. But the problem is that the, the scrap metal market is pretty fragmented um, and unless volumes pick up or margins expand, it's very difficult um, in an environment where volumes have been falling. So um, I'll be giving this a miss. I just think it's a, a challenging space long-term as well. Um, so yeah, for mine, it's a, a no-go. Yeah, hard pass yeah. for me too. It's just, yeah. it's just better businesses. It's a huge business, it's been around yeah. for ages, will be around for ages, but it's, it's very capital intensive business. You're reliant on commodity prices, the business generates really low returns on, on its equity. Earnings are super, super lumpy. Shares are below, like we've got a, uh, what, a year chart there, but you go back 10 years and it's just, you know, well, there you go, there's five years. It's not done yeah. much in that time and 10 years is pretty much the same kind of story. Yeah. Um, and you're not getting much of a dividend or anything for it. It's just, it's just a, a really tough business with really uncertain growth outlook, uh, far better prospects out there. Okay. Know? I think um, they've, they've cut, their costs significantly in recent years. They've already done the cost out sort of drive that these companies do. Right. So now that the, a few of their unprofitable areas have been shut down, where they kind of go to now, they're just relying mm. on okay. margins picking up, but it's hard to see where from. Mm. All right, speaking of tough businesses, uh, Jacob wants a view on Orica. Um, Orica sort of been uh, smashed recently, uh, came out and predicted a, a pretty big hit to, uh, to revenues based on trade tensions in in China, reducing their, uh, their margins, also COVID on mining activity. Orica is the um, big explosives company um, and a bit like Incitec Pivot is yeah. explosives and yeah. fertilizers and chemicals and things like that. So um, has not had a great half end. I'd like to say it was an explosive stock, just to put another <laughs> terrible pun in there. Well, <laughs> it exploded themselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, themselves it's always, it's pretty much always been thus for them, at least since back to 2011, earnings have just been on the decline. You know, it, it's again, it's a, it's a commodity oriented kind of business. It's it, the only real advantage. Well, that, so down close to its five year low. Yeah, yeah. The, the only really advantage you get in a business like this is just like, really incredible efficiencies, um, maybe some scale advantages, but you know, it's not, that's about it. And again, your, your customers are very variable in their demand for all yep. reason, manner of macroeconomic reasons. It's just, it's something that's very difficult to forecast. And even if you do forecast it reasonably well, there's not huge amounts of upside. So mm. it's just it's just an unattractive proposition from, for my money. Okay. It seems almost like being caught in a perfect storm, though, haven't they? They're, sort of mining yeah. companies overseas have been hit by COVID, so they're not blowing up enough to, to, to go and mine. And then they've had big cost overruns with the plant that they've got. Yeah, and then they had the trade tensions, Australia, yeah. China, the Australian dollar has been yeah, rallying, yeah. that's a negative uh, yeah. for them. 
I think the reason for the, the, the savage decline was that the broker community was getting very optimistic about Orica being a, a value turnaround play. Uh, they all had pretty decent ratings on it, I think, leading into the result right. at least. Uh, and they all thought, you know, the commodity cycle's booming. Orica should eventually capture some of that benefit. But they came out and really just disappointed, um, blaming a, a, whole, a whole range of things. So. Yeah. It's always been a challenging business, never really been that exciting. Again, suffers from the fact that it's at the mercy of so many other variables out of their control, currency, um, amyl nitrate costs, you know, the mining cycle, so commodity prices, all these things are just are very difficult to manage. Um, I'm sure they're doing a great job in there as best as they can, the management team, but they're just confronted with a, a tough situation at the moment and it's hard to, to push through when you've just got so many negative yeah. forces coming against you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, we'll give it a miss then. Uh, last five stocks, just to uh, recap here on the call. Uh, 40S Memory, a no. Dragon Tail, a, a speculative buy from uh, both Andrew and Michael, and no for Resi Mac, Sims and Orica. Michael Wayne from Medallion, good to see you, mate. Yeah, it's good. Thank it's you for joining good. us. Yeah, always great fun. Andrew Page from Strawman. Great to have you aboard as a pleasure. usual. Pleasure, thank you. We talked about a lot of different things. We covered a lot of ground today. Fabulous, yeah. that's what I love about it. Yeah. A lot of fresh stocks there to go away. Yeah. Very yeah. true for yeah. myself as well yeah. as the, well, the viewers. Always great picking their brains, that's fabulous. So uh, that's what we do every day on the call. We get the best experts. And uh, if you'd like us to take a look at a stock that you're interested in, flick us an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au, tweet us using the at TV handle. Reminder, all the stocks we have in the calls portfolio, head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. A lot happening here on Ausbiz throughout the afternoon. You don't want to miss a thing. We'll be back after the break. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 